0: Thank you, worship team. Uh, Not only one of my favorite hymns, Be Thou My Vision, but a hymn that is traditionally done with ordinations. And if you're visiting this morning or you otherwise don't know, that's what this special service is this morning. It is a service of ordination. And what is ordination? Ordination is recognizing and affirming uh, men that we believe God has raised up as spiritual leaders. And that's what we believe this morning. That's what we're doing. We're recognizing and affirming five men as men that God has raised up to be spiritual leaders here at Central Church, and they are Joe Caruso and Al Eccles and Heath Hudspeth, Andre Jones, and Stan Peppenhorst. and you will see those men shortly. But as we, as we, as we segue into that, what is, what is it that Jesus has to say about spiritual leadership. If these men are leading Jesus' church, if He's entrusting them with these roles of spiritual leadership, what does Jesus have to say about spiritual leadership, leadership of His church? Well, there's much that Jesus has to say, but this morning uh, I'm directed to Matthew 23. And in Matthew 23, Jesus was speaking to the crowds and the disciples about what they were seeing in their cultural model of spiritual leaders, which wasn't good. And he says in Matthew 23, starting at verse 2, the scribes and the Pharisees, the, the, the ones who are the dominant spiritual leaders of those days, they're seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it, but don't do what they do, Because they don't practice what they teach. They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and they put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. They do everything to be observed by others, they enlarge their phylacteries, they lengthen their tassels. They love the place of honor at banquets, the front seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace. They love to be called rabbi by people. But as for you, do not be called rabbi because you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father because you have one father who is in heaven. And do not be called masters either, because you have one master, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. What does Jesus tell us here about spiritual leadership, largely by showing us what spiritual leadership is not? Well, first of all, in verse 3, his statement that the men that they saw as spiritual leaders at that time, they don't practice what they teach. He's commenting on what was well known at that time, that the scribes and the Pharisees were seen as people, even if the word didn't come out of their mouth, as as hypocrites, as not living according to the principles that they preached. And Jesus is telling us by implication that spiritual leadership will always be seen before it can ever be heard. And that's a principle of leadership for our elders and other leaders of our church. Your leadership will always be seen before it can ever be heard. Why is that? Because leadership is is not about power. Leadership is not about control. Leadership is about influence. And the primary way that we influence people is by our examples. Think about it, just naturally, who we are in society at large. We we tend to be very cautious as people. We tend to be cautious about those whose actions don't match their words. In fact, I love what Ralph Waddle Emerson said, what you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. I can't hear what you're saying, but I, I can see what you are, and that's what speaks Loudly, Albert Schweitzer said it this way, the three most important ways to lead people are by example, by example, by example. And so for all our elders, but particularly the five men who are ordained as elders this morning, I challenge you, I charge you, lead by example. Lead by the influence of the life that you live. Secondly, in verse 4, Jesus again speaking of of who they saw, the people saw as spiritual leaders of the day, the scribes and Pharisees said, they crush people with heavy religious demands. In other words, their leadership style was to use guilt, to use shame, to use the threat of rejection to try and control people. He goes on, they never lift a finger to ease the burden… Jesus is saying they lack compassion. They lack caring. We experience that all around us in life. We experience people who try to, to control us, who try to make us do things by, by guilt and shame, by the threat of rejection. We experience people try to lead us before we ever know that they care about us, that they are, have some thought of our need, that there is a compassion about them toward us. That's not what spiritual leaders do, Jesus is saying. Spiritual leaders use the authority that has been given to them to set people free to love and serve God. Jesus in John 8.32 says, you know, this is how you'll know that, that you are my disciples, that, uh, that you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Spiritual leaders seek to spread the truth the, to, to lead people in discipleship to set them free, to set them free to love God, to set them free to follow Jesus, to set them free to actually serve God. And so, elders, I, I charge you ask God for the grace, for the wisdom to lovingly lead the people in this church, to lead them into the freedom that comes from knowing who they are in Christ to lead them into the significance and the joy that comes from knowing and understanding God's purpose in their lives. Thirdly, in verse 5, Jesus speaks of the scribes and Pharisees. They do everything to be observed by others. They want to be noticed for, for what they did and how they led. And and that really is, even today, one of the greatest hindrances to leadership. It's that neurotic need that we, that we find that we have, that need for people's approval, that need to be noticed, that fleshly desire for, for people's praise. The Apostle Paul spoke about this in, in Galatians 1.10, said, am I, "'Am I about trying to win the approval of people?' Or am I about trying to win the approval of of God? And if I'm about trying to win the approval, then I am not serving Christ. And so, elders, I, I challenge you, seek your significance in who you are in Christ so that you're set free from that need for people's approval. You're set free to really pursue what it is that God has called you to do fourth and in verse 6, Jesus says that the scribes and the Pharisees, they love the places of honor in that culture. They love respectful greetings. They love to be called rabbi by the people. They were, in other words, preoccupied with their position. They were preoccupied with their titles. They were preoccupied with the prestige that they thought that their position and their titles came from. We see that all around us, and, and, and yet we see the emptiness in it. Colin, pa- Colin Powell, the distinguished general, the, the former national security uh, advisor, he said at the end of his very illustrious career, he said, organizational charts and fancy titles count for nothing. What really matters, what, what people really follow is not titles. People follow Courage people follow character. And so, spiritual leaders don't seek their significance in position or in prestige or in titles. Elders, do not look for the people of this church to respond to you because of your title and your position. Seek instead to live and lead in such a way that people are influenced to follow your example, your Christ-like character. That's how you will make an impact on this body. Fifth, in verse 10, Jesus says, and do not be called masters either, because you have one master, the Messiah. The scribes and the Pharisees, they they wanted to be called master. Really what it meant is they wanted to have control of people. They wanted people to do what they wanted them to do. They, They wanted to assert their authority, over the people. But, but Jesus reminds us in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, has been given to the risen, reigning Lord Jesus Christ. And so any authority that has been given to us as a spiritual leader in a place of spiritual leadership is merely authority that He has temporarily entrusted to us. As I've put it up on the slide there, spiritual leaders understand that they are only stewards of the authority entrusted to them, and that authority has been trusted to them for the care of God's people. So elders, again, I charge you, you are men under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Never forget that. And that authority that He entrusts to you, that is for you to wisely wield not to control people, but to lovingly lead them to love and serve God. Finally, in verses 11 and 12, Jesus says, "'The greatest among you, they will be your servant, and whoever humbles himself, that's who will be exalted.'" Jesus takes the model of leadership in the world, the model that we know and work and society, the the model we see on CNN and Fox, and he, he turns it completely upside down. He gives us a model of leadership that is really counterintuitive to what the world tells us, to what even our own flesh tells us. Jesus tells us that greatness in the kingdom of God is not found in power It's not found in position. It's not found in prestige or people's praise. It's found in serving others, and in serving others, teaching them by example to serve others as well. Spiritual leaders are to be servant leaders. Their humble attitude, their their words, and their actions are to help people grow into the image of Christ. That's what it means to be a servant leader. So, elders, again, I charge you, strive to serve the people of this church, not to be served. Remember that you serve them as you give yourselves to meet their real needs, not, not what maybe they identify as their needs, but their real needs. You serve them as you give yourself to accomplish what will help them live out God's purposes in their lives and in this church. I love how Bill Lawrence, uh, a well-known leadership model that's been given to the church as a gift for several decades now, he says this, spiritual leaders, they are part of what Jesus initiated in John 13 that he calls the order of the towel. And maybe you know that story from John chapter 13, but let me just refresh you and give you the highlights of it. This is the Last Supper. This is the last meal that Jesus is having with His disciples, and they, they have it in the upper room, but that upper room was on loan to them, and because it was on loan to them, the, there was no host there, the person who would normally uh, be the host of that, that, that kind of event. Hosts generally provided a servant who would greet the guests as they came into the host's home. Uh, he'd greet them with a towel and a basin of water, and He'd remove their footwear, and He would wash their dirty feet. That was the job of a servant, of a, of a slave, not even of the host. But because the upper room was a borrowed facility, there was no servant. There was nobody there to do that custom as the disciples and Jesus entered the upper room. And my guess is they all looked around to see if anybody was going to do this. None of the disciples were prepared to, to stoop that low and wash each other's feet. Why? Because immediately leading up to the up the up to, that, uh, to the Last Supper, they, they had been bickering. They had been bickering about who's going to be first in the kingdom of heaven. They're going to, they were bickering about who was going to have the most prominent place, the most prominent seat in the kingdom of heaven. So there's no way with that kind of atmosphere that they were coming out of that any of the disciples was going to lower themselves and show that they weren't the greatest in the kingdom of heaven by doing this menial job of washing the feet of the others. And it's at that moment in John 13 that Jesus does the unthinkable. Verse 4, he got up from supper, he laid aside his robe, he took a towel and he tied it around himself. He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to dry them with a towel tied around him. And after Jesus finishes washing all their feet, including Judas, the feet of the man who would betray him, Jesus makes the point of this living sermon illustration, of this example, absolutely clear. Verse 12 when Jesus had washed their feet, he said to them, if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. And that point is not just to the disciples. That point is to us. And that point is not just to the elders today. It's to all of us. If Jesus truly is our master, if we view him not just as our Savior, but as our Lord, the one that we worship, if we see how he assumed the role of a servant to minister to us, both in that foot washing and in what he ultimately did on the cross, then Jesus is saying, certainly we must be willing to do likewise. We must be willing in many ways to take that towel of servanthood as our model of ministry leadership. Ministry leadership is best demonstrated by this model, this model of being a servant leader. And so, elders, again, I charge you this morning, this is Jesus' model for the kind of leader that He calls you to be, that He wants you to be in this church Bill Lawrence says that the order of the towel consists of people who are vulnerable and humble through dependence on Christ, so he can use them to lead others into a closeness with God that results in their sanctification. They're becoming more and more Christ-like and releases them to minister with unparalleled power. And so, elders, Jesus this morning calls you To enter into the order of the towel. And for you, the church body, um, your five new elders, they, they desire to demonstrate that to you this morning in a very tangible, physical way. They would ideally like to wash the feet of all of you. For practical, obvious reasons, we can't do that, but they have each asked somebody who to them was representative of the congregation to join them up on the platform, and they are going to wash their feet. So at this time, I'm going to ask uh, the five new elders and those that they've asked to participate in the foot washing to come on up and take their places, and uh, we'll give the men a moment to take off their footwear, and then the five new elders will demonstrate who they desire to be as servant leaders. Gentlemen, if you come out in front here, and Jim Lee, I'll ask you to join me. And as Jim's coming up, um, we thought the most uh, significant memento we could present you with is a towel. A towel signifying that uh, this is your model of ministry leadership and that you are part of the order of the towel. Jim, go ahead.
1: I have some question for you men. uh, As we complete this part of the ordination. Uh, First, do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the Word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the confession of faith of Central Church as containing the system of doctrines taught in the Holy Scriptures? Do you approve the government of Central Church? Do you promise to submit yourself to your fellow elders in the Lord? Have you been induced by the Holy Spirit, as far as you know, your own heart to seek the office of elder from love to God, a desire to do His will, to promote His glory in the gospel of His Son and the salvation of your fellow men and women? Do you promise to be zealous and faithful as God may enable you in maintaining the truth of the gospel? and the unity and peace of the Church, wherever persecution or opposition may arise unto you on that account. Do you engage to be faithful and diligent in the exercise of all your duties as a Christian and a minister of the gospel, whether personal or relative, private or public, and to endeavor, by the grace of God, to adorn the profession of the gospel ministry in your conversation and to walk with exemplary piety before the church and before the world.
0: Gentlemen, if you will join me on the floor right in front of the center part here. I would invite your wives to come forward. I would invite as well um, any of the current elders, any elders emeritus, as well as any of the ordained pastors. Gentlemen, if you just take a line right along here. And our elder Dennis Rutledge will lead us in, uh, in prayer over these men. And gentlemen, I'd ask uh, if you're able to do so to kneel down while we lay hands on you for prayer.
2: Let us join our hearts and minds together as we go before the throne. Gracious Lord and Father, we praise you for this day. Father, what a glorious day it is. Father, we praise you for each of these men here and the call that you have placed on them to lead your church. Father, we praise you for the unique way that you have gifted each one of these men and the unique journey that you have given each of these men to give them the experience to serve you and serve your church. Father, we thank you for their families. And praise you that you have given each such a strong family that follow you and seek after your heart. Father, we ask you to protect these men and their families. As we know that the enemy will go on the attack loves to attack the leaders because if he can make a leader stumble the followers will stumble as well Father we ask you to keep these men humble give them strength, give them courage give them wisdom guide their every way Father we ask you to keep them ever seeking your heart and your will in all that we do Father, we commit these men to you. We commit our service to you. Father, help us to be a shining light of your love in all that we do. And help these men to always remember that a great leader doesn't generate followers, he generates more leaders. Father, help them to lead by example in everything that they do. And it's in the glorious and precious and powerful name of Jesus, I pray and all of God's children shouted amen gentlemen you may stand uh, i'm going to ask you the the
0: body the congregation to affirm them as your elders i'm just going to read a charge and ask you if you agree with that and you want to participate in affirming them to uh, to answer we do do you the members of central church do you acknowledge and receive these brothers as elders And do you promise to yield them all that honor, encouragement, and obedience in the Lord to which their office, according to the word of God and the government of this church, entitles them? If so, answer, we we do. Jim? By the
1: authority vested in me, I declare you elected, ordained, and installed to the gospel ministry of elders at Central Church.
2: give you the right hand of fellowship to take part in this ministry with us. Elders, elders emeritus, pastors, join us in this right hand of fellowship.